Hello and welcome to Truer Love Stories, a podcast dedicated to real people wanting to create real love. I'm your host, Taryn Newton-Gill. In each episode, we'll explore the stories of people who are at a crossroads in their love life. I'll help our guests navigate their personal love story by providing them with holistic ways of writing a new, more empowered narrative around love, one that's truly aligned with who they are and what they want. Hello, and welcome back to Truer Love Stories. I'm so grateful to have you here, where we'll be getting real again today, talking with our guest who is making her way through a recent breakup and questioning, well, everything, as we do when we're going through a major life transition, especially a relationship transition where things don't always feel clear. All those damn emotions, am I right? Well, we cover a lot in this episode, from knowing when to move on from someone who isn't right for you, to taking our partners off those way too high pedestals that we put them on, to trust, to going on our very own eat, pray, love journeys, and of course, to how to integrate your attachment style into your love life so that it can help you create more secure relationships. But I think the heart of this episode today is our guest's identification with her anxious attachment style and how it contributes to her extreme discomfort around bringing up her honest feelings in intimate relationships. Now, this can be a huge raw spot for any of us who have insecure attachment styles as our insecurity comes from a fear of being vulnerable. So we've somehow received the messaging that it's not safe to be vulnerable And so we hide our feelings and live in our heads, trying to work things out on our own instead of bringing things up. But bringing things up can be so healing when it's with the right person. And it's a great way to figure out if someone's not the right person. So you don't waste your precious time and energy being attached to someone who ultimately isn't aligned with you. Now, when our guest came to me for coaching, She said she wants to be able to break this pattern of not speaking up so that she can create more secure relationships going forward. And I think she was able to walk away from our conversation with some solid tools and a new perspective on how to do that. Now, that all said, our guest was in Europe and I was in Los Angeles when we recorded our call. And I'm not sure what was going on with our internet exactly, but we had some delays and we had a few moments where we sound like robots. Um, I promise we're human. And if you can just bear with those little glitches here and there, I think you're still going to get quite a bit out of our call. So without further ado, let's hear her story. Welcome so much to the show. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. So basically you're kind of in it right now. You just broke up with someone who you had been in a relationship with for a while about a month ago. Yes. Yes. Okay. And you moved to Europe for this person? Yes. Okay. So would you mind telling us a little bit about that relationship, kind of how it started and where you're at now with it? Absolutely. So we met last summer. We were both backpacking around Australia 
And we met at the very end of our visas expiring. And he had to go back to Germany for school. And I had no real plans. I had my business and I could really just work wherever I wanted. So eventually we just figured it out. Like, you know, COVID is only getting worse. We really like each other and let's just see where this goes. So I'd always wanted to live in Europe at some point too. I wanted to live in Spain or the UK. So it just made sense that that would be my next step. Um, But I will add our little rendezvous in Australia was only about two weeks. But those two weeks we spent every single day together. We were having very deep conversations, talking about our futures and our families. So, you know, when people hear two weeks, they're like, that's so quick. But the level of conversation that we were having was as if we had been talking for three or four months. So I moved to Germany and it was not a big town. It was a very, very small, tiny East German town. And it was really, really hard for me to adjust. I also had just started my business really right when we had met. So I was growing a business, living in a small town where I couldn't speak the language. And then there was lockdown, which was actually really strict in Germany. There were points where you could only go outside and go grocery shopping. So all of these elements mixed in on top of the fact that we had an age gap, I'm actually nine years older than him, um, really started to show when we were getting out of lockdown and socializing. And I found, you know, I just wasn't interested in the same things that we had connected on before. And our conversations were getting more distant. Our energy was distant. And eventually he actually initiated the conversation of like, you know, I just feel like this has run its course and I could feel the same exact thing. So we agreed to end our relationship. So yeah, I am still fresh out of it. Like you said, it was only a month ago. And with Germany rules, you have to actually give three months notice to move out of your apartment. So there's a lot of loose ends still tied up where my stuff is at the apartment. I just got my permit a week after we broke up. Like the timing of it was crazy that I had, you know, really worked hard to get a permit to be able to stay with him. So then I have a year long permit to stay in Germany, but now obviously our relationship has ended. The stuff with the apartment is still being sorted out and there's still a lot of, like I said, loose ends that haven't really been tied up. So that is where I'm at right now. Okay. That is quite a bit. Yes. (laughs) And yeah, that's, I mean, that's what you call a whirlwind romance, really. Yes. Um, and I think in a lot of ways is the dream for a lot of people, right? Like how amazing, that's always what you hope, right? Like you go to the other side of the world and you have this quick, amazing romance with someone and then you decide you want to be together, you know? I can't blame you for enjoying that and living life, you know? You chose life as far as I can see it in that situation, you know? Yeah. Everyone said I was on a, an eat, pray, love journey. And it, it really was true. Like at the end, I had my love part and I was like, wow, this year went exactly how I wanted it to go. Like you said, I kind of just went for it. Yeah. And so, you know, that's awesome. And then from like a relationship perspective, it, it brings up a lot of emotions because it happens so fast. And in this mm-hmm. environment where we end up having expectations or like fantasies of where it's going to go, you know, I, which mm-hmm. we have anyway, but I feel like, you know, um, something I've been talking a lot about lately is something Brene Brown refers to as hot wiring connection, mm-hmm. where you're in a situation that makes you connect faster. And it, that can be kind of almost any situation. But I would say that you had like a multitude of hot wiring connection situations all strung together, right? Because there was 
traveling and meeting someone in and of itself and the romance of that and getting to know each other. And especially when it's like good conversation like that and there's attraction, like that in and of itself is a hot wire for connection. And then like COVID and live, living together alone in and of itself is hot wiring. Plus during yeah. COVID, I mean, you know, of course you're going to get attached in that situation, first of all, you know. And so I guess I'm curious based on what you are telling me that after a while you both started to notice this distance between you. And I'm curious kind of if you can recall when that started for you and maybe what you were going through at that time. Yeah, I think really early on, actually, when we moved to this town, it started to hit me of how out of my comfort zone I was. Um, like I said, I had started my business right when we started to be in a relationship. And this was not a town where it's built for freelancers or digital nomads or English mm-hmm. speakers or anything. And I really lost my sense of community. I had no friends. I was trying to make friends, you know, on Bumble BFF and Facebook groups and so many different ways. And I, I truly could not connect with anybody. It was really hard for me to make friends. Um, and so the whole year I noticed myself starting to become more and more dependent on him, especially with the language barrier. We were also in a town again, where they weren't really excited to speak English. And so I had to have him come to the post office with me and make appointments for me and come to the store and make returns for me. And I remember being like, wow, I know there's a you know, a point where you want to be able to depend on your partner and help each other out. But I feel like a baby being in Germany where my partner is helping me almost with everything that has to do with like leaving the house. And I started to notice this almost like undercurrent of anxiety of every time I left the house, I was just nervous about the language barrier or not having friends and not connecting with people. So that was kind of, like I said, underlying the whole time. But I would say it started to become really apparent, probably two months before our relationship ended. And I really think it came down to when things started opening up and we were socializing, that's when the cracks started showing a bit. Because again, I had no community and I felt like I was depending a lot on him to make me part of his friend group on top of the fact that he was in school studying and I'm starting my business. The time zone differences were wildly different. So there was really not a lot of windows for connection during the week. And then with his school, he wanted to go, you know, party on the weekends and hang out with his friends. And I wanted to travel because I was in Europe. And I think that's when the the distance started to grow because we just lost interest in what each other was doing and how we wanted to spend our time. So, yeah, I think two or three months before that, uh, the breakup happened. It really came down to we were just on different pages from then from when we started. Yeah, yeah. That all makes sense. And it sounds like there were a lot of situational issues, like extenuating circumstances that added to, you know, the tension or the distance in your relationship. Yes. More than like necessarily personality stuff. Yeah, I think that definitely was, there was a lot of external circumstances. And then the age gap was also a big factor that I think You know, in the beginning, we got a lot of judgment about it and I was worried about it. But because of how mature he was and how supportive he was in our relationship, it never really bothered me. But I think when, again, things started opening up and someone that's nine years younger than you wants to spend their free time differently than you do, that also became very apparent that we were just at different life stages. Yes. And that can make a big difference as well. I am curious, though, going back to this 
piece of you kind of when you started feeling uncomfortable specifically for you so it sounds like for the relationship it was kind of this a mutual thing as your situation started to change and the age stuff started to show but for your own internal process when you started feeling uncomfortable did you have the type of relationship where you felt you could bring things up to him or did you keep a lot of that inside your own mind yes so I definitely in the beginning would not bring things up to him. And I just kept chalking it up to this will get better when I make friends. This will get better when I learn the language. This will get Mm. better when we get out of lockdown. So I kept a lot to myself. And he was actually the one that told me, you really need to tell me how you feel in the moment. Like, please pull me aside. Tell me how you feel. I don't want you to bubble this up and then explode on me later. Like you need to keep me updated. So he really made me feel safe in expressing that. But I think because of my history of dating, which has been extremely turbulent and chaotic, I was just so used to, oh my gosh, if I bring something up, it's going to turn into a fight, a big conflict, a big drama. And I think for me, I I put a lot of that stuff aside and just kind of kept chugging along and bulldozing through thinking, again, things will get better once XYZ falls into place. I see. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense to me. And, you know, he actually sounds, he might have a secure attachment style. Yes, that I definitely agree. Yeah, that he was good speaking up and bringing things up. Um, you took the quiz and you found that you were anxious and that resonated with you, right? Yes, definitely. The more and more I hear about it too, I'm like, I definitely think I resonate with anxious attached. Yeah. And I would agree with you, especially based on something he mentioned, which is, you know, it was very actually clear of him and and, and intuitive in a way for him to say, I, I feel like something's going on and I want you to bring it up because I don't want you to explode because that's mm-hmm. a very indicative trait is this kind of nervousness to bring things up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, it's associated with a fear of rejection or in your case, when you have in the past, and then the person didn't respond well, you know, it causes a little bit of that PTSD or, you know, because you already have an anxiety there, like kind of um, a self-blame situation Mm -hmm. or, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I even was working with someone that was like, oh, you should just bring this up or set a boundary around this. And I remember actually feeling like that was so foreign and out of my comfort zone. I was like, I would never bring that up. That sounds like way too scary. So yeah, fear of rejection and definitely like shame also mm. i think was part of that and where where do you think that shame comes from i think because i always felt like he had put so much into the relationship for helping me adjust there and move and always mm. like really helping me like i said adapt there that it almost felt i felt like ashamed of like wow i'm bringing these things up when this person's done so much for me where you know that's kind yeah. of what i felt yeah yeah it's kind of that associating weakness with shame, it almost sounds like, or like, just because I don't know something, you know? And, you know, it's interesting because there's so many different moving pieces that make a relationship work, right? Like we've named so many just today, which is age and relating to the person and your situation in terms of where you live. And, you know, all of these kind of external circumstances make a difference. But the truth is that each attachment style could be put in those same situations and deal differently. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds like there is a combination of either because you guys got to know each other really quickly. Sometimes what happens is that like 
trust isn't built as strongly because you haven't been through that much together, you know, mm-hmm. um, in like a real world scenario where like, okay, when you're traveling, you're on the same page, you want to do the same stuff, you travel really well together. And and traveling is an amazing way to get to know someone because you are going through stuff when you're traveling for sure, you know. It mm-hmm. ends up shifting though when you're like not traveling anymore and you're in day-to-day life and kind of personalities emerge and, and comfort levels and stuff. And so for me, like what stands out to me is that first moment when you started feeling all these things, but it didn't sound like there was a solid communication dynamic in place yet. And partially, yes, that is probably from your fear of not bringing things up, but it's also on the other partner to make you feel safe and comfortable enough to bring those things up. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so to me, it's like that kind of foundation of safety was unsteady because of how things got started and then a personality thing there or, you know, the way your attachment styles were interacting because, you know, let's say you had been together longer or you had been a couple who moved there together after having lived together. You know, you might be in a similar situation where you needed to depend on him, but it might not have felt so shameful or it might feel different if that kind of solid, safe space had already been established, you know? Yeah. And I will say, I think he did a great job, like I said, of saying, please be honest. You can, like, I'm I'm totally here for you. He never blew up or reacted or anything in a way. I was always actually shocked at how easy our conversations were when I had made it a big deal in my head, which I think goes back to the anxious attached, like thinking everything is going to be a conflict or a drama. I think I also was kind of just lying to myself almost knowing like, if I bring this up, this could be a thing that breaks us up. And I don't think I was ready to break up. And I really wanted to kind of like squeeze every last drop out of the relationship. So I know for me, it's like, oh, bringing this up could lead to a breakup. Maybe we don't want to talk about this just yet. Right, right. That makes sense. So when you, you said that before, earlier as well, that you were afraid (laughs) it would lead to a conflict or a drama. Are there any specific past relationships of yours that are coming up or like, you know, situations that come up for you when you think about that? Oh, absolutely. There were multiple instances in my 20s of bringing something up and the person completely backfired. And I'm talking cursing at me, um, cursing at me in front of family members, like very Mm. traumatic situations that that definitely got built in to my psyche, I think of like bringing things up results in you getting attacked almost. Yeah. And that might even actually be where your anxious attachment formed, depending on who was doing that with you, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. because that's the message. And so that's how it starts getting formed is because whoever you're expressing your concern to uh, is not secure themselves to receive it. And so their insecurity plays out on you and you pick it up and then it becomes a shameful thing you know, Mm -hmm. to have to bring something up and, you know, it becomes a shadow. And so actually what happens in that process, this leads me into my next thought I was going to bring up to you is that anxious people, because of that, they kind of, you know, they, they're always worried basically with kind of losing the relationship because Mm -hmm. being yelled at like that or shamed, it's a form of rejection. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so it kind of creates this feeling in the anxious person who is being formed into an anxious attachment, basically that I I don't want to do anything wrong because I don't want to lose this person. You know, clearly Mm -hmm. what I'm doing, they don't like. And so it, 
creates this obsession, which is the anxiety of trying to be validated by that person or trying to keep them happy, putting their needs first so that they continue to want to stay around for you. And so it doesn't surprise me when you say that you want to squeeze every last drop out of each relationship. It's because anxious attachments are preoccupied with kind of the end, meaning Mm -hmm. where a relationship is going or just like they kind of attach themselves mentally to the idea of the end when it's actually not about where is this relationship going? It's about feeling safe and like wanted in the relationship. And so things like saying, I love you, things like saying we're boyfriend and girlfriend or, you know, partners, you know, things like saying, I want to marry you are very validating to someone who has an anxious attachment style. So wanting to squeeze every last drop, like to me, that is part of that core wound of like, I can't lose this person or, you know, I mean, I don't know. Did you ever have like a thought or like, do you think even subconsciously, like I'm not going to find better? Yeah, I think for sure, because of how bad my relationships were in my twenties, that finding someone who had clearly put in so much again in helping me move there and adapt and just so many different things. Like uh, we went through a lot of turbulence in the beginning of our relationship that, uh, it just felt like, wow, this is someone that really will put in their all for me. I'm not used to this. I wonder if this can be, happen again. Right. Yeah. And so that's where it becomes kind of a self-worth situation because we don't believe it's possible. And mm-hmm. a lot of that is based on the fact that likely you dated avoidant people in your 20s or people who weren't mature or whatever the case. And so it sets our standards really low you know? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like this guy you were dating was a secure person, was a good person, but for whatever reason, you know, that doesn't make it so that it works out necessarily, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And, but that like, whatever it was, he was not the person who was able to make you feel like you could speak up. And so it's really in relationships, it's really a balance of two things of us feeling centered enough in ourselves, meaning it doesn't mean we don't like, like next time you're dating, because I know this was part of your question was how do I move forward in relationships without repeating these patterns? How can Mm -hmm. I learn to speak up for myself and state my needs, you know, because that is super important in relationships, but it's really on the part of both partners. So there's you who it's important for you to know what your true needs are first and foremost. So like knowing your attachment style is the place to start there in terms of like its characteristics help you understand like, okay, what makes me feel safe to express my needs is having someone who can reassure me when I'm feeling X, Y, and Z, when I'm feeling ashamed and someone who I feel safe saying that to, you know? Um, Mm. So it's like you doing the work on yourself to be honest with yourself and to do that shadow work and all that important stuff. But that doesn't mean that you're going to be this perfect package next time you meet someone because the true intimacy comes when you can share that vulnerability with them and they will receive it and make you feel better you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so to me, like the way I see relationships is like, those are the roots of the relationship and the only way for it to grow. And if you think about it, I'm going to just keep going with this analogy or this metaphor of the tree is like, when you're a plant or you're a tree, you have to weather different conditions, right? With the seasons. But if you have strong roots, you can do that together. 
Mm -hmm. right? So it's the same idea of like getting our needs met in relationships, not just romantic, any kind of relationship. The ability for both people to get their needs met is what creates security and safety. And love grows from there in how that plays out. So even though all these circumstances did impact the relationship and they were there, I would say that it started with, for whatever reason, you felt like maybe you were going through it alone when you already felt alone. I mean, I moved somewhere for a man after college and had none of my friends. And and it was in the state of California where I was from. So I was only <laughs> six hours away from home, but I might as well have been worlds away because when you're in a new environment with people you don't know, away from every, you know, like, and I'm, it's not like I'm someone who can't meet new people, but when you're living there and it's like you said, community and you're someone who community is important to, you know, you're just like out of your element. And then to at the same time be hot wiring connection with someone you don't know. And there's so many feelings there. It's a lot to sort through, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So like, I don't know if it's comforting for you for me to say like, knowing that, like, if you can forgive yourself for anything, like if there's one thing you could forgive yourself, if there were any like mean thoughts you had at yourself or you harbor right now about this relationship, can you think of any that you would like to be able to forgive yourself for? Yeah, I think, I think for sure I beat myself up for not speaking up sooner. Like, oh, if you knew you felt uncomfortable, why wouldn't you just say it early on? Why didn't you just bring this up three months ago? And I think I need to forgive myself because I wasn't in the headspace and didn't have the tools or understanding to really articulate myself or what I wanted to say, or or even knowing about anxious attachment theory. Like I just didn't know. So I think that would be helpful for me is like, it's okay that maybe in April or May, I didn't know what to say or, but I don't need to go back and keep repeating. Oh my God. In that moment, you should have said this and then this, because that's not helping at all. Right. Exactly. Totally. And the best thing you can do going forward is to continue forgiving yourself when those moments come up, because those are your shadows. And like, as you know, I know you're familiar with shadow work. The way to accept them is to bring them into the light and, and integrate those as parts of yourself. And so like, okay, well, this is programmed in me and Mm -hmm. this is how I react to things. And And you accepting it, that's that first part. And then the second part is the person who you're with however it takes them to understand that, like it might be you actually having a conversation about attachment theory, which I know some people do, but it could just be you being honest about your feelings with them and seeing how they receive it and letting them like understand you and, and like, you know what I mean? Like meet your needs there and be willing Mm -hmm. to go there with you and do that, whatever that looks like. That I think is the kind of thing you want to pay attention to as you move forward in relationships and and listening to your intuition in that space where you start feeling weird and you don't know why mm-hmm. you know kind of being able to name what this thing is that's making me uncomfortable and you know it's it can be like a micro thing because i think what happens a lot especially with anxious types is because we don't want to bring things up, we hold them in and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And like your ex-boyfriend said, they explode. And that can be a lot for the other person to receive. And that increases the chances of it feeling like a rejection when they hear it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And where that big explosive kind of stuff you're afraid of comes from, I think, when there's so much held in. And so the idea is that you want to notice these micro 
moments and situations where if you feel a discomfort come up, getting really specific about where it is, like what that discomfort is and where it's coming from. And it makes it more digestible for the other person when you can bring something up that's really specific, present, you know, fresh that they can remember and they can respond to that specific thing. And then based on how that little tiny situation is dealt with, you build on that in your next conversation and your next and your next, both creating this space where both of you are allowed to do this, you know? Yes, that makes total sense. And as we're talking about it, uh, there's two different things that are coming to mind. And the first is, it it really goes back to that self-worth piece of how much I put him on a pedestal and, um, you know, thinking like, oh, well, he's so great. I can't bring this up because I'm going to lose this great person. Um, You know, we would actually talk about our future plans and his were actually quite different from mine. And it was like, oh, uh, then at that moment, I would like to be able to move forward. And, you know, my next partnership or dating experience, if our plans are that different, being able to just be like, oh, okay, that's no problem. But like, we're not going to be able to, you know, really integrate our lives together. Where I think like we're talking about now, I think I had just put so much emphasis on how great of a guy he was that I ignored Mm -hmm. that piece where our lives actually probably wouldn't pan out. And um, when you were talking too about bringing up those micro moments, that's really helpful because I think what I did too was make it such a big deal in my head that when I would bring things up, I actually would always get emotional, even over little things. I would almost start crying like, hey, I just want to talk to you about this and start crying. And I was like, I actually think that's why I was always embarrassed to speak up because I was like, I don't have composure over my feelings. And I end up crying over things that it, it doesn't actually really make sense for the level of what happened or the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I still relate to that. And um, I think a lot of people will. And I think that is the growth, you know, when you do deep work you tend to have strong reactions when we're really hitting on something important. And so when we're in that very triggered space and forcing ourselves to be vulnerable in a way that feels uncomfortable to us, you know, it's really emotional. And you probably already had a certain level of emotion around, you know, like you had the intuition, okay, something doesn't feel right. And you have the feeling about it, but then we put meaning on that feeling. And, and so it's like the first time you even feel it, there's already that all packed into it. And then if you think about it for a while before you even bring it up, it has all built up so that now, oh my God, it's a release, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that, that happens at first, I think in a lot of new relationships, when you're feeling out the like trust landscape, you know? And I think that that is, though, where the magic is, because that's those moments where how are they receiving me when I'm a bumbling idiot right now, for lack of a better word. I know you weren't an idiot, Mm -hmm. but you know what I mean? Like when we (laughs) feel that way, yeah, you know, and it's like that can make or break trust in a relationship. Is this person going to judge me when I'm in this space? But like we also have our own self-judgment on it at the same time, you know, Mm -hmm. and can they hear it and take us out of it? And honestly, that is what to me the common thread is in healthy relationships is this person just made me feel better and it was, it was okay. And then the next time you do it, it doesn't feel as hard, you Mm -hmm. know? So taking that responsibility off yourself that you have to be perfect and that your partner's on a pedestal because they're not. Even Mm -hmm. secure people have their own flaws, have their own things. And, and that does come back to self-worth, but that self-worth, it's like this loop when we have constant relationships that reaffirm that for us, 
we believe mm-hmm. it more. So, you know, I think it's so great that you're on this trip with your sister now. That is like the most healing thing you could be doing for yourself after something like this is to be with someone who supports you and really knows you and appreciates your worth. And so that you can like reconnect to those parts of yourself that feel like high worth, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because I do feel like I have a lot of self-confidence and high worth when it comes to my work and my Mm -hmm. actual, uh, you know, yeah, my day-to-day life with what I do with my clients, but there is this big gap when I turn to dating, it's like the bar totally drops. And that's something I think that there's room for growth. Absolutely. And I would say just keep exploring your shadows there because that's really what it is. If you can accept and integrate those, you know, anxious shadows there, then it's going to make meeting people so much easier because you're showing up as you are as much as you possibly can. And then waiting for them to meet you there, wherever that is, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is why, honestly, I say I'm a love guide and a women's empowerment coach, but the truth is it's because I think that relationships are such an interesting lens to explore ourselves with because they bring up so much you know, yes. in us that, ha- that maybe we haven't been able to touch on in other places where we feel good about ourselves, you know, um, mm-hmm. there are very vulnerable situations. So, you know, you're not alone in any of these feelings you had and, you know, you're a beautiful soul and I have no doubt you will connect with that person who supports you and who you feel in that high worth vibration with, Yeah. you know, so don't give Thank up you. on that and don't yeah. settle for anything less yeah. than that. I know. It's so interesting that even as we were talking about this and you're bringing up, uh, you know, what would create intimacy and that secure connection, there's still part of me that's like, oh, well, he did do that one thing. He does do that. He did. And it's like, to your mm-hmm. point, I'm I'm still almost being like, oh, well, then if he did all those things, why did this not work out? And it still goes back to, again, and life stages and age gap and multiple things, but, but right. um. I st- I think again it goes back to the self worth piece of like okay yeah that personal that he had all those qualities and did all those things and you're gonna find someone else that will do that but at a different stage of life that you yes. are aligned with yes where all the things line up it's just yes. you know attachment is like I said it's the roots and it's a good place to start but it takes so much to make a relation that's why they're so we we like hold on to them so hard when we get them because we know they're this like rare thing you know and it's like mm-hmm. it, it's not rare it's just there's a lot of factors that make things work yes. you know um but the like you said like the more tools we have the more aware we are the more we're able to know what to look for and what's important you know mm-hmm. um makes it a little easier to navigate i'm never going to say it's easy but softens the blow sometimes. Yeah, this all makes so much sense. And it gives me also more hope for the future. Like you said, now I do have like a different toolkit. And Mm -hmm. I always remember that couples I admire would always say, you know, we've sat down and actually talked about our future and mapped things out and really saw that we were on the same page. And that always felt really out of my comfort zone of like, wait, people just things out as they go and I think now having this conversation is like yeah of course I can do that like that's a need that I need to mm-hmm. feel secure in like we are going on the same page and aligned and that's okay to bring up it's not you know too much or whoa we're talking about right. this already and I think those are fears that I've had in the past 
That makes so much sense. And honestly, a lot of that is so cultural too. Like all these ideas we have about you can't bring things up too soon, you know, and like don't scare Mm -hmm. them away and give them the chase and like all these really negative, unhelpful ideas we hold. Okay, I'm interrupting this conversation real quick to let you know that if you're intrigued by what you're hearing in this episode, if light bulbs are just going off in your head as I coach our guest... I want to invite you to have your own clarity call with me, where we'll do the exact same thing I'm doing here with my guest. We'll spend 45 minutes helping you get clear on the greatest pain points in your love life and how you can start working with your attachment style to make choices that are high self-worth and will lead you to more secure and lasting relationships. Now, this call is completely free, aka There is no charge. It is complimentary 45 minutes of just us talking about whatever it is that you want to talk about. All you have to do is book the call. To do that, hop on over to my website at truerlove.com and hit the love guidance tab where you'll be prompted to book your free clarity call at the top of the page. And feel free to email me with any questions at hello at truerlove.com or DM me on Instagram at underscore truerlove underscore. Okay, now let's get back to the episode. So going back to this like high vibration situation, um, (laughs) I think that just for now, you know, because of course, we want you to meet someone and be partnered if that is what you want. But I would really honor this time right now, your eat, pray, love journey with your sister mm-hmm. and enjoy it. And like this time right after a breakup is such a bittersweet time because, you know, you're kind of shedding this old self you've been and making peace with that and letting the old bits of you that maybe got lost in the past relationship reemerge and then become integrated as this totally, you know, new person in a way who's learned from it. And mm-hmm. so I would encourage you to do as much like indulgence in this trip as you can in terms of feeling good about yourself, doing things that make you feel like you're in a high worth vibration and that you're just ha- doing things that really speak to your soul. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. And like, just like lean hard into that and enjoy it. Yeah. I've already like thought about some things that I also just didn't do straight up because of COVID lockdown. I didn't have the space or the place we live didn't have the studios. And, you know, dance is something that brings me so much joy. And I feel truly like a powerful, like bad bitch when I go to a dance (laughs) studio and learn a choreography. And I'm like, that's what I need to find is like those dance classes I want to like book a fun photo shoot and like just make it like really fun and exciting over the top. And I feel like those are the things that are going to bring me kind of back to you said that like pieces that may have been lost in the past. Yeah, I love that. It's almost like um, inner child work in a way, like letting your inner inner child out. Like, what would she want to do? Like, those are such great ideas. I would encourage you actually to keep a running list of ideas. Mm -hmm things to look forward to to enjoy. Now my head is spinning. Yeah, I'm like, ooh, I want to do a cooking class. I want to do this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, I know we, we talked talk- about this on the pre-call about my obsession with the book Eat, Pray, Love, um, which I know, like, I'm just such a stereotypical white woman saying it, but 
<laughs> I, I, I have to speak my truth. Um, but like what I find so beautiful about the book specifically, because they, they do this, they touch on it in the movie, but you know, the movie's so plot driven. But in the book, it's really her reemerging to her, like back into herself after this bad divorce mm. where she was super depressed and like suicidal. And the reason she ends up going to Italy and Indonesia um, and India is because she just was slowly let listening to like, what are the little pings her heart is getting that she just has to do. And the first thing she wanted to do was just read an Italian dictionary. She just like loved the sound and the feel of Italian words on her tongue. And she would just each day let herself have one little thought more about something she could do for herself. Like as simple as I want a new pencil box. You know, like the mm. little kid in her just like like to organize her pencils. And so she got herself a pencil box. And that to me was like the beauty of that book because I just felt her coming alive again, you know. And, yeah. and I first read it when I was going through a breakup with the person who I had moved to another place for. And I was still in mm. that new place, but now I was by myself. And so I was like taking myself out to the really nice meals and just like reading that book at the table with me, you know? Yeah, and I, I mean, it was just like so cliche, but, um, but it really healed me, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's so important after a breakup to let that child in us or cause it's all related, you know, like the shame yeah. and all the stuff we went through is like that little child has been hurt in whatever way in that. So it's like kind of bringing them back to life in a way. Yeah. I love that. I definitely need to get the book. Cause like you said, I don't know if the movie expanded as much. Yeah, no, it, it, it didn't, <laughs> but I, I love the irony of you reading it on your Eat, pray, love journey too. It makes me happy. (laughs) It's perfect. Yeah. Cool. Well, do you have any other questions for me or like things that were on your mind that you wanted to bring up before we hop off today? Um, I guess the only question is like when you're talking, we were talking about the anxious attachment and even maybe bring that up to a future partner. So when I'm dating is the goal essentially to try to become more secure, like, in my mind, when you were saying, hey, you know, I might need reassurance, is the goal to move through some of these shadows to be like, I eventually hope I don't need reassurance or that I could reassure myself? Um, and like, is there something I should be working on to become more secure? Does that make sense? That totally makes sense. And it's a great question and is a common one. So thank you for asking it. So the truth is, is that a good amount of people, and I, I quote this a lot, but the statistic is 70% of people are the same attachment style most of their lives. And it usually takes something, something significant or a lot of like very specific therapy or work to really fully shift into being like fully a secure attachment style. And the reason for that is just when we get triggered, it's a very like visceral primal feeling like if you really think about a time when you were just feeling really anxious in a relationship and were like nervous like you know that paralyzed feeling like you don't want to speak up like that 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 state basically um that's so in our bodies and and connected to our hormones that to really shift that reaction takes a lot of first noticing it like is which is what I suggest and just noticing where it comes up in your life but then very consciously making that shift and there's a few different factors so and by the way all this information I'm talking about I I believe it was a Harvard research study and they talk about different factors that can change it and it's super significant relationships that like just have a huge effect on you and 
that can go more insecure or more secure depending on that relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially for anxious attachments, if we do develop a significant relationship with someone secure, it helps us move towards being more secure because they reassure us in a way that we need. And so we feel safe and it helps build our trust. Um, But it's hard to do that on your own. And honestly, like in the wellness space, we think so much like, I want to do things by myself. Like it's up to me to love myself. And and that's all true. But for anxious attachments specifically, it really also takes having a partner who wants to communicate with you. And and that doesn't mean you can't have an avoidant partner, but it's someone who also wants to do the work, you know, so that you can, whether you're talking again, like you could literally have the conversation about attachment, but it doesn't even have to look like that. It's really about speaking up and having your needs met. Mm-hmm. And feeling safe enough to do so. You know what I mean? And like establishing that kind of, like I was saying, safe space through communication, through trust building and things like that. So like, yeah. so, and so that's the thing is like, you know, if you think about it just in terms of like parent-child relationships, like children, especially as toddlers, they start exploring, you know, like at like two, one and a half, two, when they can start to walk and they explore, but like they still need to know their parent is close by at that stage, right? So that helps them build a more secure sense of self when they know they can go away and they have that independence, but they also know that if they need them, their parents right there for them and they have this secure base to go back to. Right. So anxious people, it's similar in your adult relationships because we don't have that safety or Mm -hmm. like, like assumption of safety. It takes our partner letting us know it's safe that, okay, now we feel secure enough to go out there and, And it's not getting validated by the partner. And that's the difference. Like what we've been doing all our lives is looking for validation in other people, meaning they agree with us or they tell us we're okay. You know, like they help us define our self-worth. So our self-worth is contingent on what they think, right? Mm -hmm. Um, In any given scenario, if they disagree with us, we're not going to feel worthy. And if they agree with us, we will feel worthy. So that's when you're getting validation. But the difference is with a secure partner is that they're not validating us. They're giving us a safe space to validate ourselves. Right. To feel all our feelings without judgment, like whether they agree or not, that's not the issue. They're mm-hmm. just wanting us to be honest with ourselves and who we are and and reassuring us as we are. Like it's like in Bridget Jones when he says, I love you just as you are. Like, that's what you want in a partner, Mm -hmm. you know, whether you're having a trigger or not. And that in itself can make you more secure. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Thank you. So I hope that's helpful. And do you feel like you have some solid tools or like ways of thinking about things moving forward now? Absolutely. Especially like you said, since this is still fresh and there's still those loose ends that need to be tied up. I do now to be exploring into myself so that when I do have to regroup with my previous partner at the apartment, it's not from a place of, uh, you know, low self-worth or uh, anxiety or whatever the case is. It's more of just like, oh yeah, you know, we gave this a run. We did our best and now we're complete and I'm going to pack my things up and go. And just more of like matter of fact versus, um, you know, what I'm thinking in my head, oh, it's going to be dramatic or a conflict when that's not going to be the case at all. Totally. Totally. I think that's a great way to approach it. And, and to know that as long as you feel good in of yourself, it doesn't matter what happens, you know, right. um, that you, you feel good in your choice and you know, you're at a good space for yourself. And that's the most important thing in walking away from it, Absolutely, in my opinion. So Awesome. Well, if you have any other questions or anything come up, you know where to find me. Thank Um, you so much.
You're so welcome. Thank you for being, like I said, on the show and just trusting me with your story. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Truer Love Stories podcast. If you'd like to book your free clarity call with me, head on over to my website at truerlove.com and click on the love guidance tab. You can also ask me any coaching related questions via email at hello at truerlove.com or on Instagram at underscore truerlove underscore. And if you're learning a lot from our guests' stories, it would mean so much if you would rate and review Truer Love Stories on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Until next time, stay true to yourself and talk to you soon.